Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. One of the exciting traditions for Christmas memories for all families is opening presents on Christmas morning. I think many of us have this tradition in each of our families, and Christmas morning is in every way a special moment for all of us. Family members secretly shop according to the wish list in the month of December. They go out of their ways to different department stores and find desired gifts. Parents might wrap the gifts late at night before this crucial morning. And children wake up early as possible in their pajamas and they rush to the Christmas tree to open the gifts that you have prepared for them. And wouldn't you agree that this tradition takes a lot of preparation and even anticipation? Uh, I think about my child, Josiah, and uh, uh, there is this uh, little video game that he likes to play. And there is a uh, character that you need to buy often to kind of renew the excitement for the game. And it's amazing how these uh, game industry people, they know how to get the consumers, you know. And um, my child, Josiah, is wanting to get these little crystals for this game. And um, I remember a shipment came in, and uh, there was uh, another gift that we bought for him. And we created a wish list for other family members to buy other gifts for Josiah. But this gift was not the gift that he was expecting. But we did not show it to him. It's still in the box. And every almost... uh, 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 almost every week, maybe twice or three times a week, he would uh, play the little game, and he'd look over, and, and uh, I really want to open that gift right there. And I said, no, you can. You still have 20 more days to go. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I try to tell him, this is not the gift you're anticipating, you're expecting. And this is another gift. And he's thinking, what else do I want, you know? And uh, this is something that I want, and, uh, and I don't know what else you have in mind. And anticipation is a, uh, another part of opening presents. And I think we try to build that and also at the same time try to make it exciting. And uh, overall, we do it for memories and also for the moments of unwrapping the gifts. I think that's almost in every way precious in every parent's sight when the child actually opens the present on that 25th day. And to see the reaction, yeah. the excitement. The receiver is excited to see what the giver has prepared. And the giver is excited to see the response of the receiver. And it's a wonderful tradition. It's only a matter of maybe a few seconds, but we do it for those moments. And how memorable it is and how exciting it is to prepare a gift and also to to give to a recipient. And as we think about the response of both parties, of the giver and the receiver, we should think of the biblical story of Christmas. Who is the giver in the Christmas story? Is not us, but is our God. Our God is the giver. And he has prepared a gift even before the foundation of the world so that we may receive this gift. And Jesus Christ came down 2,000 years ago as a gift of God. I think about in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, God sent his angels to proclaim and glorify his coming. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace, goodwill toward men. You see, 
God was anticipating for this moment when Christ will be born and the world will see the Son of God in the flesh. And as we think about this moment, this was a very special night for our God. And he wanted to make sure that the angel proclaim and also glorify this first visitation, this wonderful gift to mankind, his only begotten son. And as we celebrate Christmas, we are to think and meditate upon the giver and the special night that marked a dent in history. Now, we can never relive the way it happened, but a proper, I believe, meditation and thoughtfulness is needed. A story is told of a father who decided that Christmas was going to be different this year. And he called a family conference and challenged his family to be more disciplined in the management of their time during the busy, busy Christmas season. They had to curtail excessive spending on gifts. He talked about better relations between visiting relatives in a more uh, uh, congenial atmosphere around their home. He brought his speech to a conclusion with his final rally cry, Let's make this the best Christmas ever. His second great son countered the big motivational speech by noting and whispering to dad, But dad, I don't see how we could ever improve on the first Christmas. And uh, as we think about this time, you know, uh, uh, Christmas is a wonderful time with our family. It's a wonderful time, a memorable time. And in every way, we could think back and also uh, meditate upon the first coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that very first Christmas. Now, we can never relive that moment. And in every way, I believe that uh, every Christmas comes around and every year, uh, we should meditate, we should, uh, we should be thoughtful, but we can never relieve that moment. But in every way, I believe that we could take some time just to be holy, take some time to know the great gift that God has given us. And I hope in every way that you have the desire during the Christmas season, not just to gather with your family, but come to Jesus Christ and to observe Him and how He came, and why He came, and uh, how He loves you, and how He came as a gift. Oh, it's amazing how receivers do not recognize this great gift. And I think about John chapter 1, verse 11. It says, He came unto His own, and His own received them not. What a sad statement in the Scripture. That Jesus Christ came to His own, His own creation, but His creation... Many of them would not receive him. But I think about the very next verse in verse 12. But as many as received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Thank God there are those who have received Christ as their personal Savior. The giver was anticipating for this moment where the first Christmas would come, where Jesus Christ would come where the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world will come. And as the giver was anticipating for this day, he was also anticipating for the receiver to gladly receive him. But many of them have not done so. But thank God for those who have done so. Thank God for those who have received Christ as your personal Savior. Now, if you have never received this wonderful gift, guess what? It is available for you. God loves you today, and He wants you to receive this wonderful gift of salvation and receive Christ as your Savior. 
And you see, ladies and gentlemen, let us recognize the fact that uh, Jesus Christ came for you. And Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for you. And Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for you. And Jesus Christ rose again on the third day for you. Because the giver is giving a gift for the recipient. And let us recognize the fact that our God, in every way, desires to see his people, his creation, receive this wonderful gift. And we need to revisit these wonderful moments in our lives. If you have received them, and revisit how he came, revisit how he died, and revisit how he rose again. And Christmas does not have to just come around once in your life. I believe that every day we could have Christmas, not in the sense of a national holiday, but I think every day we could have a moment where we could think back to that wonderful night when Christ came. And we could have every day to be a Christmas, every day where we worship Christ, Every day we think about that first visitation. And I believe every week, even every Sunday, coming to church and to learn about His coming and to uh, worship His wonderful visitation 2,000 years ago. Tom was leaving the church after Christmas service when a pastor greeted him and said, Tom, it's time for you to join the army of the Lord. We need, you, we need to see you every Sunday. Tom replied, I'm ready in the army of the Lord, pastor. And the pastor replied back, Then why do we only see you only on Christmas and Easter? Tom looked to the right and to the left, and then leaned over to the pastor and whispered, Pastor, I'm in the secret service. You know, uh, I believe that Jesus Christ does not in any way uh, need to be reflected upon based on our convenience. I don't think we need to just think about our Savior just twice a year. I think we need to think about our Savior every single day. And also, even coming to church every week to worship with other brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we think about this Christmas season, let us always be mindful of the fact that Christ came to us and that we should always pay attention and to focus on our Savior during this time. And to observe the gift once again if you have received Christ. And if you have never received Christ, oh, receive Him today. And receive Him as your Savior so that you could be on your way to heaven. So I'd like to share with you three spiritual descriptions of this wonderful gift. Why is it so special? Why do we need to observe it? Number one, the unwrapping is gift. A gift of His sacrifice. A gift of his sacrifice. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You see, this was a gift of sacrifice. I don't know about you. If someone is giving a gift to another, someone special, someone they like and love, I think it needs to involve sacrifice. If I were to give a gift to my wife, I think in every way, she would expect me to buy a gift for her. I'm not going to 
you know, ask my mom, Mom, could you buy a gift for me so that I could buy a gift for her? No, I don't think that's going to work. I think there must be a sacrifice, sacrifice in my part. And ladies and gentlemen, when Christ came, when God gave his only begotten son, it came with a sacrifice because it was a gift. Who sacrificed? The recipients? No, the giver. The giver sacrificed. God gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood. He came unto his own. He left the throne of glory. He left the millions of angels that worship him. He came to this earthly life, and he died on the cross for you, and he gave his life for you. Ladies and gentlemen, his gift was sacrificial. As we think about the Lamb of God who would save people from their sin, that's what the Bible says here in Matthew chapter 1. And you might be thinking, how can sin, can, how can sin be removed? How can it be cleansed? How can it be forgiven? Is it through daily prayer? Is it through uh, uh, giving of alms and giving of uh, uh, different deeds to the church? And is it through mass? And is it through a a confessional booth? And what is it? How can we have our sins forgiven? How can the Lamb of God take away the sin of the world? The first phase that God provided for the sins of the world to be cleansed, to be forgiven, and made it to be available, is that he died on the cross to shed his blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. You see, ladies and gentlemen, our sins are not forgiven by gold or silver or giving alms to the church. Our sins are forgiven by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he had to shed his blood because his blood was the only sinless blood for mankind to have their sins covered and to be cleansed away. And that's why he died. That's why he shed. And that's why the Bible says he shall save his people from their sin. I think about First John chapter 2, verse 2. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not our, for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And you may not have received Christ as your personal Savior, but Jesus Christ still died for you. And Jesus Christ provided his blood for you so that you could be saved, so that you could receive him as your Savior, so that your sins could be cleansed away. He made that available for you. I wonder if you just freely receive him today. I wonder if you'll just humble, your, uh, humble yourself and say, Lord, I was wrong about my beliefs. I was wrong what I trusted in, in, in how I could go to heaven. If you just admit your wrongness and also your sinfulness, how you have sinned against the Lord, and uh, how you are a sinner who are uh, 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 who is uh, uh, bound to go to the lake of fire. If you just admit that you're a sinner who has penalty to pay, I believe that Christ in every way will receive you as your personal Savior if you just call unto him and believe him today. You see, it is nothing that we have done, my friend. It is only what Christ had done. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood so that you can be saved. Would you receive him? He did everything for you. How about my good works? How about all the good things I have done? Oh, the Bible says 
All our righteousness is filthy as rags. If you compare God's holiness and our holiness, there is a big gap. I believe it's almost infinite. There is nothing that we could do so much in good works that we could be holy as God. Why? Because we still have sins in our lives. Good works does not cleanse sins away. Being a good person does not take you to go to heaven. Only the good Savior could take you to go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, Jesus Christ is the only way, my friend. Do not trust yourself. Do not trust any church. Do not trust any rules. No, trust in one person, Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God that could take away your sins today. You might be thinking, I am the worst sinner in the world. You might be thinking, I don't think God could forgive my sins. I don't think God wants me to go to heaven. But ladies and gentlemen, if you think about the story of the cross, when Jesus Christ was dying on that cross, there there were two thieves. One cursed at Jesus, hey, if you're really the son of God, why don't you help us out here? But then the other thief, He said, we did a lot of things wrong, and we deserve this death penalty. But this man, he did nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve this. And he looked over to Jesus, and he said, would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, that thief who committed all the wrongdoings in society and all the filthy sins of the world, as he was getting that death penalty, he cried out to Jesus. Did Jesus reject him? No. Jesus gladly received him. Today, you will be with me in paradise. To be absent. From the body is to be present with the Lord. If you have received Christ as your personal Savior, as soon as you take your last breath on this earth, you're in heaven. You're in heaven. There is no purgatory. There is no trial. The Bible says in John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, The judgment has already been given. You're guilty already. As sinners, we we, we deserve to go to the lake of fire. We deserve to go to hell. That's why Jesus Christ came down and he died on the cross to provide salvation for you. And if you just simply believe him, like the thief on the cross, if you just call out to him, my friend, you'll be on your way to heaven. You'll have everlasting life. The gift of sacrifice. Observe that during this Christmas season. Christ gave his life for you. Would you receive that so that you could be on your way to heaven and to be with him too? Secondly, unwrapping his gift means a gift by his promise. A gift by his promise. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets saying. You know the gift has been prepared before the foundation of the world. This was now rushed into panic preparation. And uh, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit. God wasn't 
you know, saying in heaven, oh, now what do we do? You know, he was in panic mode. He knew even before the foundation of the world that Adam and Eve was sin against him. That's why he prepared the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He was already prepared to give. Now, God did not panic when the first man sinned. He knew what he would do. He would be the land that provides forgiveness of sin. So he wrote a book called the Bible, the Scripture, to let all the people know that a perfect give is on the way. I heard about one lady waited until the last minute to send Christmas cards, and she knew she had 49 folks on her list. She rushed into a store and bought a package of 50 cards without really looking at them. Still in a big hurry, she addressed the 49 and signed them without reading the message inside. On Christmas Day, when things had quieted down on someone, she happened to come across that one leftover card that finally read the message she had sent to 49 of her friends. Much to her dismay, it read these words, This card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. (laughs) You know, our God was not in a panic mode and writing the Bible and just trying to say a gift is on the way. And uh, But in every way, the scripture has given so that we could know his promise. So we could know and expect that Christ will come. So in the Old Testament, before Christ came, everyone was, uh, in every, in the Israelites were expecting the Messiah to come because the scripture foretold it in the book of Isaiah. And as we think about the New Testament now, we could look back. That promise had been fulfilled. That Jesus Christ did come. That Jesus Christ truly did come in Bethlehem. And that he lived among us for 33 and a half years. And that he died on the cross and he shed his blood. And ladies and gentlemen, God has never broken a promise. He will always keep them. Why? Because we have a God who cannot lie. In Titus chapter 1 verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. You see, God promised this wonderful gift of salvation even before the world began. God says, I will give eternal life to mankind. Those who have sinned against me, I'll give that to them as long as they receive Jesus Christ, my son. And he planned all this before the foundation of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how much God loves you, and that's how much God has prepared this salvation for you. Why do you reject this gift? Why, do you, why are you not interested in, in this wonderful gift? Oh, I want to encourage you to think about this wonderful gift that God has, God has promised in you. And with that in mind, if you're a Christian today, let us think back the fact that God has promised many things, furthermore, as a Christian. And this book is filled with promises, and you could claim them. I think about the example of Abraham. I love it. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that Abram staggered not at the promise of God. He was strong in faith. He believed that God was able to perform in what he promised. Christians today, do you believe 
in that same manner. Do you believe that God can fulfill the promises in your life? In this Christmas season, think about the Savior, how he came, and how he came to be born in the likeness of man, and how God fulfilled that promise. As much as that promise is true, all the other promises are also true. All the promises in him are yea, the Bible says, meaning it's true, and you could always depend on it. Number three, last point, unwrapping his gift. As we think about this gift, it means a gift of his presence. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with the child, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You know that at the first Christmas, Joseph and Mary were there, and we know that uh, these two parents have a wonderful presence in the Christmas day. I heard one week a Sunday school teacher had just finished telling her class the Christmas story. After telling the story, the teacher asked, who do you think the most important woman in the Bible is? A little boy raised his hand and said, and the teacher thought that he would reply, Mary. But surprisingly, he replied, Eve. The teacher asked him, why he thought Eve was the most important woman in the Bible. The little boy replied, well, there are two days of the year after Eve. You know, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. (laughs) You know, uh, as we think about some different characters in the Bible and their importance, you know, some people think that Mary does have great preeminence in this story. But I believe that's not the case. Yes, the shepherds were there too, and the magis, you could call them, or wise men, they were there as well. But the greatest presence in that Christmas story was that little child, Jesus. Jesus Christ's presence was the most glorious, was the most important. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ came as Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in today. That God visited you. God visited me. God provides his presence to your life. Yes, Christ ascended up to heaven after he rose again. He's in heaven now. He's sitting at the right hand of God. But Jesus Christ, gives his spirit, his Holy Spirit, and he dwells with us. His presence is with us. And if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, I'm afraid that you don't have his presence. Yes, God loves you. Yes, God wants to, in every way, desire to be near you, but he cannot be in you. Why? Because you have not invited him in. You have not invited Christ into your life. Would you invite him in today? If you have received Christ as your Savior already, then I want to encourage you, Christian. Think about the dwelling of God in your life. Think about this Christmas season, how you need to live holy, because the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. How you need to live godly as he dwells with you. Let me finish with this one scripture about heaven. I love it. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, this is a declaration. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, 
and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. What is the ultimate purpose of salvation, and what is the ultimate purpose for us to be in heaven? Is that God can be with man, like he originally planned in the beginning of this world. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have never received Christ, God wants you to be with him in heaven. God wants you to be in heaven. Receive him today. If you are a born-again believer, if you're a Christian, just keep looking toward that day where you'll be with Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. All trials will seem so small when we see Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, all the things that we do in life is worth doing it because Christ is living and because we have eternal life. I want to encourage you today. During this Christmas season, think about this wonderful gift. This gift of sacrifice, a gift of promise, and the gift of his presence.